Joy is your compass. Jesus is your destination. Counting my blessings. Um, I am thankful that I have, uh, we have our daughter here today. The last time that Trisha was here was Mother's Day. So I'm thankful for her to be here today. And uh, we had a great weekend. We had a pretty full weekend so far. It was really um, fun. We, we, Friday night, we hung out with a lot of friends. Um, and then yesterday, we had uh, our date night. We went to the movie, um, His Only Son. That just came out on Friday. And it's a story of uh, Abraham and Isaac, but then wrapping it into Jesus, you know, as being um, the Palm Sunday and, and next, next week being Resurrection Sunday. So it was beautiful. It, it was, I'm, I'm going to be real, it wasn't, you know, as beautiful as Jesus' movement, <laughs> only because it was very slow, um, but man, it was the way it, you know, when the Bible comes to life like that on the big screen, there's nothing better. You know, it's just nothing. And I'll say what, one thing that I appreciate or I saw differently was Sarah. Because when I read Sarah in the Bible, and because, you know, the Bible can't contain everything. It just can't. You know, it jumps from one scene to the next. And when you read it, I kind of, got to be honest, I, I gave Sarah a little bad rap when I read her in the Bible. But when I saw her in the movie and I saw, like, I could literally feel her agony in those tears Man, I saw her in a, I saw her with a little more compassion because she's a real per, she was a real person, right? So we had a great weekend. Uh, okay, this is really like rough draft here, guys, because I, God gave me this word, which, which I love this word, but he gave it to me a while ago. And um, I got up to look at it this morning, and as you saw, that's, all, that's what we did all morning. We were just on our knees, so I'm really... Um, trusting God to have have your way, Jesus. Yes, have your way. You can take these notes. You could take uh, every everything that uh, I I might have prepared, yeah. God, and you could just throw it away <laughs> and continue to have your way, because it's all for you. It's all about you, and it's all for you. And we celebrate and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are to talk about birthrights today. But you know, you all have a birthright. Everybody has a birthright. It's a, a possession or a privilege that we all have from birth. Nobody has to earn it. You just get it. And birthrights are like um, you have citizenship rights. As U.S. citizens, we have some rights just by being born here in the in the United States, like we have the right to a uh, fair trial by jury. No. <laughs> Not a good example. We have, we have a right to vote. There we go, right? You have rights just by being born here as a citizen. <laughs> My son, don't you tell him I'm sharing this. My son joined, just recently joined Ancestry.com. You know where you like swab your mouth there and you put it in an envelope and ship it off and all these other people do the same thing and they connect the dots of your DNA, right? And then you're like super stoked to see like what's going on? Maybe there's something great. And he, and he called and he told me about it. And I was like, oh, you did? What would you find out? And he goes, well, you know, like I'm, I'm German, part German. 
Hello, my last name is Franks. You know, my maiden name, that's a given. Tell me something I don't know. Get me to the good stuff. And, you know, he goes through everything. I was like, come on, keep going. And, you know, and then he, he showed me a couple of people, you know, that he matched. I was like, oh, yeah, that's my cousin. That's my, I, I noticed two people on at least my side of the family that were my cousins. And then he says, but look at this one. This person, he matched with a family member that said they were adopted, given up for adoption when they were born here in the Cleveland, I'm whispering as if he's actually watching. Um, <laughs> you don't like me telling his business, but hey, it's my business too. Um, was born here in the Cleveland area in 1973, the same year as I was born. And that's all they said. So you, you message each other, like you can um, email each other, and you just hope to connect that way. Well, this person hasn't responded back yet. So my son Bobby is like, well, is that, could that be any? It could be on my side or his dad's side, right? So he's reaching out to both of us, and we're like, no, we don't know anything about that. So we have a, a cousin at, a, a, out there, a blood relative, that was given up for adoption. And I told him, I was like, you know, my grandma was shady. Like, it don't surprise me if it's on my side of the family because when grandma passed away, we found out some stuff. <laughs> like, legit stuff. <laughs> so it could be on either side. But the whole point in doing it is you want to find something cool and exciting, right? Maybe you have some birthright that you didn't know you had. Mm. As born-again believers... In Christ, we have birthrights. We have new birthrights that I don't think we've really tapped into. And what good are birthrights if you don't even know what they are? They do you no good. The Bible says that we are sons and daughters in Christ. When you accept Jesus into your heart, when you declare that he is the savior of the world and you choose to live for him, you're now a son and a daughter in Christ. Well, that's got to come with some pretty good birthrights, wouldn't you say? I mean, come on, being a son and daughter of Christ, in Christ of God, you've got to, God, that's got to come with something. Let's go to Galatians 4.7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Well, hot dog, now we're heirs. If sons and daughters weren't enough, now we're heirs of God? We're getting closer. We're getting closer. What else? All right, Jesus, what else? So if we're heirs, Christ died over 2,000 years ago. What did he leave us? Let's look at Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, so now God's saying, we are in Christ, so we're Abraham's seed. So whatever God promised Abraham belongs to us. So we got some birthrights because we're in Christ, who is the seed of Abraham. Okay, God. So what did you promise Abraham? Okay. Well, let's look at it. Genesis 12. The Lord, uh, Genesis 12, 1. The Lord has said to Abram, who changes his name to Abraham, get out of your country, 
from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if that wasn't enough, one more. Genesis 17, 7. This is God still speaking to Abraham. And he says, I will and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your ascendant descendants after you. Thank you, Lord. Well, come on, church. Thank you, Lord. You have an everlasting covenant. You have an everlasting covenant that you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to earn it, and you didn't have to pay for it. You didn't pay the price for it. Jesus did. But it belongs to us. The blessings of Abraham are ours because we are in Christ. Why? Because God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. He paid the price so that we could inherit the blessings of Abraham. You can't disqualify me, and I can't disqualify you. He said, I will make you a great nation. What do you mean, God? That you would make Abraham and us a great nation. Let's look at Genesis 13. Verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. And Lot was Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. Gold. Going down to verse 5. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Abraham was wealthy. And we don't have to apologize for being wealthy, because that's our inheritance. Abraham lacked Nothing. He had more than enough. He had overflow. And that's the same God today who said that I will, uh, that I will supply all of your needs exceedingly and abundantly. That's the same. And, and he said, what did he say? He said from generation to generation, right? Do you think Jesus lacked? Absolutely not. Jesus lacked nothing. Jesus took three, what, five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 to where there were baskets of overflow. There was more than enough. And when, when he called his disciples to go with him, he said, you can't bring anything. You leave it all behind. You can't even bring a jacket. Why? He said, because God supplies. You won't need to because God supplies everything if you believe. Yes. That's right. You lack nothing. Yep. We can't miss those blessings, though. We can't take those moments for granted. He deserves the glory for every penny, for every blessing. He deserves the recognition that it came from God. When 
I went on the cruise recently, I think you all know, with my sisters. We paid for the cruise like last year, um, but then like a week before the cruise, you know, I, I, I didn't have any money to take on the cruise. And you don't really need money, money, you know, a lot of money or anything because the food's all paid for, you know, and things like that. But I knew we were stopping at the Bahamas and I knew where the purse store was at the Bahamas because I've been there before. And I wanted a purse. <laughs> but no lie, like a day or two into that week, literally leaving on that Monday, I get a check in the mail to me, just me, <laughs> for $500, exactly. And it said, a, it said a reimbursement for overpay on a medical bill. Okay, who overpays on medical bills, right? Hello, not me. Like, they don't even get paid sometimes, okay? Like, when payday comes, the, bills, the medical bills get stuck all the way at the bottom, and then if there's leftovers, they get a little piece, okay? I don't pay an extra $500 on a medical bill, but I was like, thank you, Jesus, I'm going on a cruise, I'm going to the Bahamas, and I went right to the purse store. <laughs> because Jesus loves me. <laughs> Reality, we are still gonna have needs, okay? We're still gonna have needs. You know why? Because how else would we depend on God and not ourselves? We gotta depend on him. And he, we've got to acknowledge where it comes from. But we still lack nothing. Even every moment, ever, every time that we have a need, we still lack nothing because he's still God. He is still the God who is more than enough. He is still our provider. And he is a God who, who wants to bless his children as we live in the promises and the covenant. Second, he told Abraham, I will bless you. That is it, just, I will bless you. So how did you bless Abraham, God? How else did you bless Abraham? Look at Genesis 15, 15. And this is God talking to Abraham again. He said, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Abraham was healthy. Abraham was healthy. Right before that verse, God is telling him on, on the destruction and what's going to happen, you know, for years to come. But he's saying, don't you worry about it because you're going to die in peace at a good old age. And let's not forget, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. That's a healthy man. Right? And then remember, it's from generation to generation, so it still belongs to us today. Look at what Jesus said about it. Look at what Jesus said about it. Luke 13, verse 10. This is Jesus. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. 
Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whose Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? First of all, just so you all know, it's not work in this house to pray for anyone on any given day. Apparently, it was a lot of work for them to pray or, you know, lay their hand on somebody because they couldn't do that on the Sabbath. That was work. But there's no effort. Jesus said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And did you notice what he said in verse 16? He said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? Satan has bound her. 18 years. Shouldn't she be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Jesus quoted, Jesus used the Abrahamic covenant to show that this woman was a daughter of Abraham and deserved to be healed. That's like 2,000 years difference between when, Abraham, when God made the promise with Abraham to Jesus doing that. That's like 2,000 years. She's not like a first daughter, right? That was generations and generations and generations later, yet Jesus is saying because she is a daughter, she ought to be healed. That's the same for us today, amen? We have a right. We have a, a birthright, a new birthright, where healing belongs to us. He said next, he said, I will make your name great. I will make your name great. I will make your name great at work. I will make your name great at school. I will make your name great with your neighbors. I will make your name great at the grocery store. I will make your name great with whoever I put in your circle where you have influence. I will make your name great. Anybody know my friend Chuck? I didn't really expect many of you to because when Jesus, when God said, I'll make your name great, that doesn't mean that everyone in the world's going to know your name. That doesn't mean you're going to be famous, but that does mean when you submit to God that your name of th- those who do know you know your name is great. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck's my 93-year-old friend. He lives in a nursing home, assistant living uh, for the past like four years since his wife, Norma, went on to be with Jesus. And uh, they've just been sewing into my life. Like, Norma's just been a beautiful mother figure uh, to me before she passed. And we were talking to Chuck the other day. And Chuck calls the nursing home the institution. And uh, he's very witty, by the way. And he is sharing with us. He's like, yeah, at the institution the other day, I, I met a Buddhist. He said, and I was like, man, tell me about your God. Tell me about this Buddha. And the man told him about Buddha. God and, and Chuck says, well, let me ask you a question. Is your God alive? You really got to see Chuck's face when he's saying all this too, because he's very, he's very much of a character. And the man said, well, no, he's not. Why? Is your God alive? And Chuck said, oh yeah. And then he just wheeled himself out in his wheelchair and dropped the mic. He said, I'll catch up with you next week. 
He said at 93 years old, God is still working on him and changing him and he will not miss an opportunity to share the love of Jesus. I tell you, you walk into that place, his name is great. He's taken advantage of all the influence that God put in and put around him. Abraham's name was great. Abraham's name was great. There's a story in the Bible in Genesis 21 where King Abimelech, a king of a nation, went to Abraham and said, I need you to make a covenant with me that you won't hurt me. Not in those words, but that's exactly what he meant. Just, 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 I've been kind to you, Abraham. Make a covenant with me because I know, he says, I know that you are blessed by God. Just make a covenant with me. Since I've been kind to you, you'll be kind to me. Abraham was just a man. He's just a man, but his name was great. And if your name's not great, it ain't God's fault. I mean, if your name's not great, if people kind of hide when you start walking up or they don't want to answer the phone, that's not God's fault. You can't blame him for not fulfilling his promise because you've got something to do with that. You've got some responsibility for that. He's put them in your path. He's put them in your life. My one friend, we, this probably isn't a, this is not shedding some positive light on myself, but I'm going to tell on myself. We have, uh, it's not a coworker, but it is somebody that we have to work with closely at work, and we just call her best friend. We call her best friend because we're trying to, you know, speak out that one day she's going to be nice. But, but when we say, hey, best friend called and she needs this report, or hey, best friend called and said this ain't right, hey, best friend, we know it's sarcasm because, you know, everybody knows her name, but it ain't great. It ain't great. So we call her best friend. Abraham's name was great. And God said your name would be great. Next, he goes on to say, you shall be a blessing. What? So you already said you would bless us, but now we're to be a blessing. Everyone is to be a blessing. Because you have Jesus living in you, you are to be a blessing. You are to show the love of Christ that lives in you. That's how you are to be a blessing. It's not about how much you have or what you have to give. You have Christ to give. You have the love of Christ to give. That's how you are a blessing. Last, last week, we went to lunch after church. And I went to the bathroom, like as soon as I got there, I hadn't even like sat down. I went to the bathroom and there was a, a teenage girl in there and she was crying. And then I saw somebody else walk in and, uh, or somebody was in the, in the bathroom already and she was just crying, like hard crying. So I asked her, I said, are you okay? And she said, no. And I said, is there anything I can do for you? And she said, no. So I said, well, can I, can I give you a hug? And she said, yeah. So I hugged her, and she just cried and cried. And I just started loving on her. You know, I just started telling her that she was beautiful and that God loved her and whatever was causing those tears that God was collecting them. And then I asked her if I could pray for her. And she said, yeah. 
So I prayed with her, and again, just loved on her, encouraged her that whatever she was going through, that God felt. God felt it, and that she mattered. And then she, when I was done and wiping her tears a little bit, she said, no one has ever said that I mattered. She was 17. She said, no one has ever prayed with me. It took the time to talk to me. And then she, you know, she shared some of the things that she was going through at home and what was wrong. That person who was in the stall came and gone. Never looked twice. And then I gave her my number because I still had to get out to the restaurant where people were waiting on me. And I told her, I said, you can call me anytime. I said, I'll come see you. I'll come pick you up. Anytime you need reminded of your value in life. And then I saw her sit down and I saw her leave with her family afterwards and she waved to me and, and she sent me a message. That's all you have to do to be a blessing. We're required to do that if we have Jesus living in our hearts just to show love. That's it. That's all I did. I just showed some love. You to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Man, it just keeps coming, right? I will bless those who bless you. Do you know, remember the story of Elijah? And the widow, she had just enough flour to make one last meal, the Bible says, for her and her son, and they expected to die because there was a drought. That was it. There was no other way to get food. And the prophet came to her and said, feed me first. She said, but I only got enough to feed me and my son one last time. He said, I know, but God will provide if you feed me first. And she did. She put it all on the line, trusting the word of the Lord from this prophet. And she fed him first. And don't you know God? Don't you know God came through? They ate and had overflow until the water came. And then when her son died, the prophet came and prayed over him. And he was raised from the dead. I will bless those who bless you. So what that tells me, Jessica, what that tells me is if you bless me today, God's going to bless you, like, for weeks. Because they ate for weeks, right? And he'll, I'm just saying, if you all blessed me today, can you imagine the blessings you all will get back? That's huge. From generation to generation, okay? It belongs to us. I will bless those that bless you. Oh, man, what did he say next? I will curse those who curse you. Ooh, I don't want to be on the other end of that one. I will curse those who curse you. You don't have to get even. God will do it. That's right. He's your protector. If someone tries to curse you, if someone is cursing you, you just praise God. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to get even. You don't even have to get upset. He defends you. 
He defends you. He doesn't want you to do anything about it. He wants to be your father, right? He wants to go before you. And curses are real. Curses are real. Hey, if you don't believe me, go to Haiti. There are witch doctors every corner. They're real. Hereditary curses. Did you ever hear that? Do you ever go to the doctors and, then, and they ask you, what's your family history? Mm-hmm. Well, my mother had diabetes, my grandmother had diabetes, and my great-grandmother had diabetes. Okay, so you're going to get diabetes. That's real. My mother did have cancer. My grandmother had cancer, her mother. My great-grandmother had cancer, her mother. I have three generations of women in my family who had cancer. My sisters and I watched. They were in the room with my mother five years ago when she took her last breath. My mother was born again, spirit-filled, and she didn't receive her healing on earth. That's real. But that doesn't change God, and that doesn't change the word of God, and that doesn't change that I am no longer under the curse. I am no longer under hereditary curses because I am under the blessings of Abraham, and that curse stops with me. You have to purpose in your heart to whether believe him or not. That's your choice. He gives you the choice to. I choose to believe. I choose to believe, amen? My physical birth certificate says, Michelle, I almost showed it to you, and I thought, yeah, that's probably not right, good idea, but it says, Michelle Lee Franks, born June 18th, 1973, Fairview General Hospital, as in Cleveland, (laughs) as named after Michelle Lee, anybody who know who that is? Thank you, thank you, Knott's Landing, Dallas. Me and my mother watched that every night, every week it was on because she's like, that's who I named you after. My new birth certificate says Michelle. Summer of 1984, because I don't remember the day. That's it. Because there were no last names in the Bible. You were Peter, John, Abraham, Mary. I am Michelle, like Beyonce, Madonna, I am just Michelle. Born again, summer of 1984. You have a new birth certificate that comes with new birth rights. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, now you know, and if you don't claim the blessings of Abraham, you're just missing out. Because now you know the truth, and you have to declare the truth. God required two things from Abraham, though. And this is the most important. God required from Abraham faith and obedience. Remember what he started off with in chapter 12. The very first verse, before the blessings, he told Abraham, first though, you gotta get out of your country. From your family and from your father's house, 
to a land that I will show you. That took obedience and faith. He didn't even know where God was taking him. He requires obedience and faith from us. I mean, if you choose to not be obedient, you choose to leave the family of God, you forfeit your benefits. You forfeit your birthrights. I mean, come on, Prince Harry lost some stuff, right? When he left the family, he left some stuff behind. It's your choice to be under the blessings of Abraham in the family of God, but it's gonna require some hard faith and obedience. Hard faith and obedience. Watching that movie yesterday, just seeing that, uh, like in real life, the story of Abraham. Uh, it was, it, it was gut-wrenching to think, could I be that faithful? Could I be that obedient? I mean, he promised Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations. And Abraham's like, I don't even have a son. And God's like, I know, but I've got one. I've got a plan. You will. And not till several years later was Isaac born. And then can you imagine, like I just imagine at that point, finally Abraham saying, okay, yes, you can do anything. You do all things. And then God say, well, now your son is a teenager and I want you to give him back to me. Why would you take away the promise that you gave me? I waited 25 years for the promise to begin with and you're gonna give me 15 years with him and take him away? Who has that kind of faith? A human, one man did, which means you and I can. We can, we can have that kind of faith. We can have that kind of obedience. And up until the moment he was willing to do it, God said, I got you. I got you. I'll do the sacrificing. I'll sacrifice my son. You don't have to sacrifice yours. I'll sacrifice my one and only son for you, for Isaac, for Jacob, for Israel, for the Jews, for the Gentiles, for the church, for my sons and daughters. I'll do the sacrificing but I call you righteous for your obedience, Abraham. Mm. I call you righteous for your faith. Let's all stand. The Bible says that Abraham believed God Faith is the only way. Faith is the only way. Let's pray. You are such a good father. We are lovers of your word, God. How you just connect it all. Nothing is is for accident. Nothing is wasted. I pray, God, that we walk in our blessings, in our new birthrights. I pray, Lord, that we embrace them, secure them, and that we are faithful and obedient. 
I pray the blessings over each and every one today. For you said, God, that you would go before us, behind us, beside us, all around us. Your presence, your presence is the, the biggest blessing of all, is your presence. You said you would bless us from generation to our children, from our families, to their families, to their families, to their families. The prayers that we pray now are for generations and generations and generations. That's your word. That's your word. And you are a faithful God who ensures every word you spoke will come to pass. to this song, the blessing. It's just so fitting before we leave today.
to pray with you. If you have never accepted Jesus in your heart, man, this is a perfect day for it. Perfect day for it as we walk into this week, this Passover week, into the resurrection, that you can come to know Jesus and what he did for you this week and resurrection. Friday. It is a good Friday for us. Amen. It cost him everything, but it's a good Friday for us. We'll have service at our Cleveland location and our Lorraine location at 7. 
please join us. Pastor Marlon and I will be in Cleveland. And then next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, also known as Easter. Please join us here. Pastor Marlon and I are going to share a message together on our citizenship of heaven. We'd love to see you come this way before you go that way. We'll also be back there to meet you, Pastor Marlon and myself. We love you. You are welcome here. You are family here. You are valued here. You matter here. The life God has for you has purpose that is good, always. Live right, love everyone, and pray hard.